Zach Langley Chichi. I'm so popular. And I'm here with my first ever in-person guest ever. Who are you? Um, my name is Emily. Hi, Emily. What are you doing? I'm sitting in my living room with you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I'm like not used to this. Like yeah. I've only done online episodes so far, like over Zoom or whatever. So this is thrilling. I'm not used to it either. This is you're like the first person to be in my house in months. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I win. Why are we friends? Um, I guess I guess technically we work together. Yes, we both work <laughs> for the same organization doing the same job. Yeah. When I'm not a drag queen, so dancing dancing, dancing English monkey. Yeah, yeah, literally dancing in front of children. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had the worst fucking time getting here today because first I had to test these mics and then I had to go to the convenience store to buy alcohol. And it was one of those moments when there's only one person working. <laughs> like, I don't know where the other people are. And then after you've been in line for 15 minutes, just, you know, the hot young girl like shows up out of nowhere, just like flips her ponytail and <laughs> ready to take your shit. Um, but the worst one is the Family Mart by the bridge because it's always this one girl who works there who like just doesn't want to be there and (laughs) every time i go she's the only one working and she's not at the counter and i'm like okay i want to pay this bill and i just stand there and we make eye contact and she (laughs) stays in the back and i'm just like oh my god come on um i my problem is that i always have the same woman she is there every (laughs) single day And I have to go buy, like, chocolate and cigarettes and alcohol, like, every day. Or food, like, when I don't want to cook, which is most days. So I just prawts. I just waltz on over (laughs) there. What the fuck is a prawts? I prawts to the fucking 7-Eleven. And then she's there every single time. It's humiliating. (laughs) Well, I have some highball for us today. Great. (laughs) I love that sound. I love the <laughs> ASMR moments on the... I just spilled on the... Oh, my God. Being on in person <laughs> is making me insane. I just spilled uh, this drink on my computer. It looks like we're fine. This is gonna be tough. Okay, well, compai. Compai. The sound of plastic. <laughs> I know. Can you drink that? Or she's gagging. <laughs> I mean... I can. <laughs> I can do it. She will. I'm going to take a big swig here because we are getting into a really important topic today. Um, <laughs> okay, bottoms up. Bottoms up and the devil laughs. <laughs> um, before we get into today's topic, I want to tell you about this video that was making the rounds on Twitter today. So you know it's going to be good. <laughs> you just know. It was these gay men getting married like right now like in the middle of the covid crisis and then one of them breaks out into stupid love choreography like the lady gaga single oh now why do you think this would be controversial um corona wedding see you would think that but (laughs) actually everyone is socially distanced they're all wearing masks the only people who aren't are the two like men getting married and their bridal party or whatever so why do you think this would be controversial? Gay? I don't know. <laughs> nope. Uh, well, actually, actually, you got it spot on. But the people who were mad at this were just gay men, and the reason being that 
nothing. They were just, like, so salty that these two men were, like, dancing to some corny right. pop song at their wedding. Just let people have fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was all of these gays who were just up in arms about it. Furious. <laughs> they were like, if I saw this at a wedding, I would immediately just skip the reception. I'm not going to that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go outside. <laughs> these people, it's, like, these gay men who are, like, so furious. Like, this cute, like, happy couple who are, like, vaguely attractive. Like, they have it all working for them. And, like, these men are so bitter that perhaps they just aren't being touched. Or maybe they can't get a date. Like, I don't know. Maybe they're, they're mad they can't play Arca at their, <laughs> at their wedding. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I, I, you know, you expect to see a lot of that on Facebook, but from, like, boomer types? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of actual homophobia from straight people is, you know, par for the course. <laughs> it adds a little drama and flair to your wedding, so. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm all for that, but, like, when the gays are so mad about themselves, <laughs> I'm like, you seriously are, like, suffering from COVID brain rot. <laughs> oh, yeah. How's your quarantine been? As in, we never had one. Yeah, quarantined. <laughs> uh, pretty much non-existent. I mean, I'm I'm being careful. I'm not being irresponsible, but yeah. everything's open. <laughs> I mean, we never had like that lockdown moment, except for like when our work was childless yeah. for like two months. There, there was that one moment in the very beginning where everyone was stockpiling hand sanitizer and masks and, and you couldn't buy masks and yeah. people were lining up outside the drugstore at like 6 a.m. Yeah. But, we had the toilet paper panic before yeah, the U.S. Yeah, did. Yeah. Like a whole two weeks before they did, I think. Yeah. And that was, that feels like five years ago. I know. It feels like forever <laughs> ago. There was one day Sorrel and I went to the grocery store and we saw a woman walking out who had toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh my God. And we ran to the toilet paper aisle. There was one left and it was like a 12 pack. And we grabbed it just as this old man came into the aisle oh. and looked at the empty shelf and looked at us. And we just turned around and walked to the <laughs> register. Oh, I feel awful. It was also like half ply. It was all, it was gross. I mean, it lasted. That freak out only lasted for like a week or two most. Yeah. The mask thing was spooky. Yeah. Yeah. That one lasted longer. Yeah. I mean, it didn't even click with me that you could get masks again until like June, maybe. Yeah. Because they were really out for a long time. And there was all the mask hoarding and stuff. I mean, really yeah. lucky that my boyfriend, you know works in a hospital because oh, he just like yeah. gave me like 10 cloth masks like right away so even now um i don't know about the grocery store here but like the family mart by the station still has a like what one mask package yeah. per customer policy yeah which is good because i mean they have the boxes now too with like 500 yeah. in them like there's no need to stockpile yeah. anymore yeah, and plus everyone has their uh, reusable Abe masks, so... Oh my god, the <laughs> I got Abe no three. mask. You got three? I, I got, got three. three. <laughs> I mean, the Abe no mask was, like, the my it's favorite clown moment of 2020. So dumb, and, like... I wouldn't even be as embarrassed for this country if it, like, if the masks were full-size. <laughs> no, but they're just... For anyone who hasn't seen them, they are a small patch of square fabric that if you have... Even a regular sized face, it won't go beneath your chin. It's too small for the children. <laughs> yeah, it like 
goes from your bottom lip to like the very top of your nose and that's all you get and it's like aesthetically humiliating it's so dumb and it doesn't like it doesn't fit your face like the other masks so you have these holes where the air's coming up when you breathe and i don't know just dumb yeah and i mean i've never seen one person look good in the abe no masku like i don't know there's something kind of cute about like the normal ones <laughs> when you can only see people's eyes and, like, my coworkers, like, all look very charming with like, their <laughs> eyes, like, flitting about and, like, making little surprised expressions with no mouth. Like, I saw one of my coworkers' mouths for the first time in, like, five months today. It's unnerving when you, like, I've forgotten what everyone looks like at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I saw a student with his mask down the other day after lunch, and I was just like, has he always looked like that? Like, what he's he's the wrong shape (laughs) especially with these elementary school kids because they get so much bigger so much like faster yeah (laughs) like so their faces are totally different from eight months ago Mm -hmm. i mean and now you look at them and you're like oh my god who are you (laughs) oh my god have your younger students started doing this disgusting thing where they like (laughs) they put the mask in their mouth and like up their nose and you can like see their little mouth oh yeah i hate that (laughs) i mean i know for a fact that if i was an elementary school student that i would be chewing on the mask (laughs) all day like gum (laughs) so i yeah yeah, like, it's so disgusting because they have, like, those, like, weird, like, felt ones. Yeah. I don't know. They're, like, I don't know, nylon or something. They're not the same material, but they show moisture really well. So any of the kids who are, like, chewing on them or sucking on them or, like, sniffing on them, <laughs> you can see it all. Yeah. Ugh. It's like a t-shirt over their mouths. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, COVID has just ruined everything. <laughs> the, yeah. the, what a shit year. Pop culture sucks. I mean, today's topic, this is a great transition, <laughs> is like one of the few pop cultural events that I felt yeah. this year. And that was the release of Stephanie Meyer's Twilight um, Interquel. I don't know how to refer yeah, to <laughs> it. I don't know what to call it because I just learned the other day there's already a Twilight 1.5. Yes, it's the gender swap yeah. one. Yeah. I had no idea that that existed. <laughs> There's no need for it. But I've heard, um, I've heard that uh, what Charlie and Renee's parts remain the same because yeah. you know gender roles and uh, what it has. I don't know. Why, be- what's the point if you're not changing everyone's character? Yeah, but you see, it wouldn't make sense if Char- if like Ren- Ronald the male Renee had mm-hmm. full custody of the daughter from the get or something. I don't know Mormons. Mormons. Yes, so that is... uh, We're going to talk about Midnight Sun, which is Twilight as told from Edward's perspective. A book that nobody needed, and yet we all read. Yep. Um, And by all of us, I mean the the fallout of, like, you know, late aughts teenagers who were really attached to this growing up and have no pop culture to feed our system and so we have to eat stephanie meyer's scraps off the floor (laughs) but before we talk about that we're going to talk about just twilight generally did you like twilight growing up i hate to sound like this but i liked twilight before it was really popular Mm -hmm. um i loved it Mm -hmm. it was like my whole world for like four whole years of my life 
Yep. I went to the midnight premiere of Midnight Sun. I dressed up in formal wear. I hope you mean of Twilight. <laughs> I got quote. Or, no, yeah, not Midnight Sun. <laughs> I meant uh, for Breaking Dawn. Can you? Im- oh, can you imagine like you now, like yeah. late twenties oh, in COVID, going to the midnight release, like in your mask? <laughs> yeah. But no, at the at the Breaking Dawn midnight party, I got quoted for a newspaper and everything. It was a big part no. of my life. Yeah, I mean, um, what, Twilight was published 2004, 2006? I don't remember. It was earlier, like, significantly earlier than when the movie came out. Um, yeah. And I imagine you had read it before the film Yeah, I read started. it in, I was still in middle school, so you would have been, like, what, a fucking kindergartner? <laughs> like, I don't know, somewhere around so there. so much younger than me. I had just entered the eighth grade when I read it. Yeah. And that would have been, like, 2007. Yeah, so I got into Twilight, and full disclosure, I was also, like, gay for Twilight as, like, a middle schooler. And I think I I read it in sixth or seventh grade, maybe fifth. Um, But it was just before the movie was released, like, about a year or so before, when all of the children became obsessed with it. Yeah. Yeah, and... I went and saw all the movies as well. I saw Twilight in theaters twice. I read all the books. Um, yeah, deeply obsessed with it. I got lucky because the movies always came out in November, and my birthday's in November. So for four years, I guess maybe five, because it wasn't yeah. Breaking Dawn two parts. Um, That's right. My birthday party was a Twilight party <laughs> oh. <laughs> where we would just go watch the movie. Um, my 13th birthday, we had a an eclipse cake, and it looked like the book, and the black icing turned all of our mouths, like, blue. Oh, hot. It was great. Yeah. Um, I remember my mom tried to get me to take out one of my female friends as a date to go see Twilight, because <laughs> she knew that this girl wanted to see it. One of my old childhood friends, Melanie. And... I wasn't, like, gay yet, but I was, like, gay enough. <laughs> like, seventh grade, like, you kind of get it. It's just if you can say it or not. And, um, yeah, I remember, like, taking a girl on a faux date to Twilight in Aww. middle school. I used to wear fedoras and polo hats at the same time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I had, like, this American Eagle, like, yellow and white striped shirt. And I would wear it with this gray fedora that my mom insisted was fashionable. It had a hawk design on it. Oh, honey. <laughs> I would wear that to school on a day when I wanted to look nice. It's okay. I was the trench coat girl for like two years. <laughs> yeah. I had my, my mom had this jean trench coat. Um, and it was like, it was like light jean. And I wore that to school every day from seventh grade to the end of eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. Not to get too off topic, but my favorite like stupid clothing item I wore was in high school. I bought a blazer from the 70s this like faux leather brown blazer and i wore that every day oh no yeah i didn't become a human until sophomore year of high school it took me a minute yeah i'm gonna blame twilight on that yeah yeah yeah, that's fair why do you think twilight has the appeal that it does i think and this is just my theory. I think that the people that became obsessed with Twilight were the ones that couldn't be obsessed by 
Harry Potter, if that makes sense. Okay, so it was like they all were like the... the leftovers. Oh, it was like the Harry Potter leftovers. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're you're saying that like people who were like really into Harry Potter, but it was ending, like had to switch. They needed somewhere uh-huh. to go, you know. Yeah. And Twilight just happened to be in the right place at the right. I I think if Twilight came out now, it would not have the same mass following that it did back in like 2007 or whatever yeah i think that's probably because without twilight there wouldn't have been the entire influx of stupid ya romance that lasted for like a decade and all the all the werewolf stuff and then vampires were in all of a sudden zombies they made that warm bodies movie like they just tried to make a supernatural romance out of everything for like all teenagers for basically a decade after twilight and then all of them would get adapted into movies and then the last movie would always be split into two yeah yeah i don't know enough about the young adult scene now to comment on it no i haven't Um, read a young adult book since i was you know since midnight sun (laughs) (laughs) but you know what's funny is this book doesn't feel like it's like written for young adults or adults or anyone Yeah, it feels like it's written for Stephanie Meyer. Exactly. I was going to say that. Yeah. It, it feels like she just sat there. And, you know, good for her. Yeah, good, good for, for her. her. Well, I think the appeal of Twilight is that it has a really completely incidental, not at all on purpose, but it touches a really raw nerve of young sexuality, I think, because the Mormonism that Stephanie Meyer, like the woman who wrote these books, the Mormonism that's just so baked into her worldview makes her view sex in a way that's very taboo and very, like, guarded. It's kind of that, like, old Christian and, you know, Protestant mindset. And a lot of, like, the guilt and hesitation that Mormons feel around sex kind of translates into this book. Um, But because it has such a heavy conceit of, like, the vampires and the supernatural element in it, you don't have to read it as, like, a Mormon text, but you still get, like, that really primal, like, sense. It's not primal at all. You get that really guilty sense of sexuality that comes with religion. Yeah. And I think that it just resonates with teenagers who are just, like, starting to understand yeah, sex. because it's, like, this big embarrassing thing yeah. that they're trying to keep, you know, secret and stuff. And I, I think that's definitely that played into just how big Twilight came. Mm-hmm became overnight you know exactly it felt so sudden (laughs) yeah and then i mean there was that whole genre of people like twilight moms oh my god yeah yeah and i think the reason they're into it is because like their sexuality has also been yeah capitalized and put into you know like the nuclear family unit where they don't feel sexually satisfied and they have like that barrier between them and like frank sexuality so i think that in the same way it appeals to like these teenagers who are locked away from sex it also appeals to like moms in like the same way (laughs) yeah and and i think it might also i don't know when i was reading midnight sun personally i felt like a child again you know i Mm -hmm. felt 14 reading this i felt very young and maybe that has something to do with that twilight mom phenomenon that happened (laughs) and i'm saying all of these like kind of shady things about people (laughs) who are into twilight but like i was really into it yeah i was really into it like i i felt really represented by it and i have not reread twilight since middle school so i cannot attest to its actual quality 
and I don't want to. I do not want to. <laughs> like, yeah. I do not want to say that the original text from Twilight is good or bad. I would just say that it really did something for me when I yeah. was a middle schooler. I ended up reading it like three or four times when I was yeah. in middle school, and I I couldn't get enough of it. I I watched all the movies. I was totally obsessed, and and I I think I knew even then like mechanically it's not a good book Mm -hmm. it's it's badly written i was reminded today i was reading on goodreads some reviews of midnight sun and one of them referenced a line from new moon where one of the volturi one of the the italian Italian cult yeah Yeah. one of them (laughs) the direct quote was he began to chuckle ha or he began to laugh ha 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 he chuckled and i'm just like (laughs) (laughs) like I knew at the time that was not good writing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I did, too. And I remember distinctly um, when I was reading it that I already knew that I had to kind of put on the air of, like, oh, I don't actually like this. You know, I had to be ironic about it. But I always could recognize that some of the writing was really cheap. And yeah, <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of twofold because the writing does not stand any, like, serious literary merit or anything. Mm-hmm. But because of, like, the naivety and the ridiculousness it's so earnest that it ends up working completely by accident yeah yeah so (laughs) i really loved this book and i honestly think that like bella is an interesting character when she's narrating yeah me too yeah i think she's very relatable and has a lot of conflicting points of view yeah yeah i i think she's fascinating she's more interesting than edward or her love interests like yeah (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, Stephanie Meyer just kind of inserts herself into the character very visibly. Yeah. Have you ever heard the story of, like, how she was inspired? The dream. Yeah, the dream of just, like, a girl crying. And that that inspired her. Yeah. So absurd. It's just... I can't get over that. I've I've thought about that since I learned about it. And it's just like, that's it. That's all it was. Yeah. So then uh, after these books started coming out, we got the film adaptation. Yeah. And... This is my hot take. The Twilight movie fucking rules. It's really good. Yeah. So I rewatched this last night. Um, and I was really involved in this movie coming out because as a middle schooler, I was like faux working for my, you know, tiny towns, like little newspaper. And because they had shot so much of Twilight, like in and around Oregon, like mostly in oh, Washington, yeah. Oregon. So the, a lot of the crew had been there. And I, I met the director, Catherine Hardwick. Oh, no. And I interviewed her for my paper. I have a picture with her. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, and I was already, like, so I was already poised to, like, have a, you know, a biased opinion towards liking this. But revisiting it last night, I think it is really stylish. And I think it's very confidently directed. Yeah. And where all of, like, the awkwardness around Twilight, you know, where it's that bad writing and stuff, it kind of irons out in the movie. Yeah. So it's, like, more of a focused, like, anxious, tense movie about, like, teenage sexuality. Yeah, I I haven't seen the movie as recently as you, but I I never not enjoyed the movie, you know? Never. I, I've always liked the movie. My mom watched it after it came out, and she, she didn't like Twilight. Um... And then she saw the movie and she was like, that wasn't as shitty as I expected it to be. And suddenly she was interested in Twilight. And I I think it's a good movie. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it is artistically singular. Catherine Hardwick has a point of view when she's directing. 
and the performances are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I found that Robert Pattinson's performance does not hold up as much, but I also think it's because the script, which was is written by a total fucking hack, like someone who'd only <laughs> written for Step Up before, I think he's dealt, like, the worst dialogue, but... Like, yeah. Kristen Stewart is amazing in that movie. And I remember when it came out, everyone was making fun of her for it. They and still do. I know, just for, like, how bland she was or something, how boring she was, how bored she always sounded. But I think I, I, I think she did Bella Swan justice. I think that she made Bella Swan, like, more of a character than she, like, was to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Before that Bella Swan was just kind of like this vague high school girl in my Vaguely mind. Vaguely Mary Sue. Yeah, and now it's like 100% Kristen Stewart. I can't picture anyone else. Yeah, I feel the exact same way because, you know, when a character is really well written on the page, you can, even if you see the movie or an adaptation of it, you'll still picture them. But after Twilight, I can never see Kristen Stewart as any, or sorry, I can never see Bella as anyone yeah. but Kristen Stewart. It's like Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter. Like, yeah. nobody else will be that character ever, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I think it's a, really a testament to her acting prowess. And for anyone who believes that she kind of is doing, like, a, a one-note thing for her whole career, like, they should watch Personal Shopper or, um, what is it, Clouds of Sils Maria. Like, these two movies she did with a French director. And she's really dynamic and fucking amazing in those movies. So, I don't know. Kristen Stewart does it for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I I really like her as an actress. And I, and I feel the same about Robert Pattinson. I feel like he's a good actor. Well, yeah. Know? And, I mean, he has been kind of doing his, like, critical reevaluation. You know, he did um, Good Time with the Safdie brothers and then The Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, now I he's still doing need Batman. to see that. You haven't seen The Lighthouse yet? No, I haven't. I want oh. to. I keep meaning to. It's so good. And he, um, this is a minor spoiler. Sorry, Emily. He okay. jerks off in it. I've heard. Uh, I know. Iconic. <laughs> so iconic. <laughs> like, I don't know. He is way hotter to me than the Irishman with this. Sorry, the what? Whoa. What am I talking about? <laughs> Robert my, De Niro film? The way that my fucking, this whiskey is just going right to my brain. With the lighthouse. Why did I have, like, that Freudian <laughs> lip there? Jesus. Is he Irish in the lighthouse, maybe? No. They, no. <laughs> Not at all. No. Um, I don't know. He's way hotter to me with that mustache, like, dirty, smelling. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, like, dirty, smelling like the ocean, like. Gaunt. Gaunt, <laughs> jerking off. Like, I don't know. He is not hot to me in the Twilight movies. And I, I have never been attracted to him as a gay man or as a gay boy in middle school, like, ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's different for girls. I, I just... I could I could acknowledge that he was attractive, I guess. Yeah. I didn't really get it. I, I like him. I really like him. Yeah. But I just... I've never been, like, personally attracted to robert pattinson yeah. i mean honestly i was not and so when he started playing these like grungy like machismo death roles like in good time when he has bleached hair and looks like he smells like axe the whole movie <laughs> i was just watching i was like oh my god yes for the first time i was like who is this i want to see his like batman like physical prowess yeah me too i'm really looking forward to that yeah i would like to see <laughs> yeah i you know i just 
I think that's probably my most anticipated Batman movie is his. And I found out he was playing Batman from like some joke Tumblr post oh, that yeah, I yeah. thought was fake for like three months. No, it's real. I mean, um, I will wait and see. I kind of prefer him not doing blockbuster roles. Like yeah. I like like the dirty A24 movies like uh, more. Have you ever seen Um, he had this movie kind of after Twilight and I I think it was called Cosmopolis. Oh, I know about this movie, and I know that Metric did the score, but I have never seen it. I watched that movie. I know I did. I have a memory of being in that theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could not tell you what it was about. I remember he was in a limo. I know he's in a limo, too, like the whole movie, That's right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I know. There's a rat at some point, I think. I don't know. Hot. Yeah. It just, it always stuck with me, though, for some reason. <laughs> I mean, speaking of Cosmopolis or whatever and the Metric soundtrack they did, I think the Twilight soundtrack is amazing. You know that baseball scene with supermassive with, yeah, black hole? Yeah, like the <laughs> so emo-tinged oh muse music. So good. Did you know that um, in the restaurant scene, I forget where it is in the movie. I think it's after Oh, when, she, when she's almost yeah. like raped by yeah, the... Yeah, yeah. And they go to the restaurant. The guy singing on the radio, that's Robert Pattinson. And he wrote that song. <laughs> I know you don't know who Death Grips is, but Robert Pattinson plays the bass on a Death Grips song. Hmm. And they're like a really, I don't know, kind of... They're not obscure anymore, but they're a very aggressive industrial like hip-hop group or whatever. And he plays the bass for them <laughs> on one song. Wow. Yeah, so Robert Pattinson is like edgy in art. I don't know. He he's, just like got like thrust into man. it. Yeah, he got thrust into it through Twilight and Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was in Harry. <gasps> Cedric Diggory. That's right. Oh, he died. He died. Oh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, uh, I guess. I don't give one fuck about spoiling <laughs> Harry Potter for anyone. It's like 20 years old I, at this I point. don't even. Th- I was, you know, I read Harry Potter growing up and I loved it. It was really important to me. And then, I don't know, when I just, like, got older, I just was like, I don't, like, feel like I even, like, want to read it anymore. Like, this belongs to my childhood. Yeah. And before J.K. Rowling's, like, obnoxious, <laughs> transphobic <laughs> oh, nonsense. Joanne. Yeah. Before all that, I, like, reread the first one. I was like, oh, this is, like, pleasant, like, you know, airport lit. But um, I don't know. When I was, like, in middle school, I'm like, one day I want to read Harry Potter to my kids. I'm like, oh, I don't really know if I need to <laughs> anymore. It's th- on that note, like, I don't really think anyone born from, like, 2010 onwards, like, needs to read Harry Potter. Skip it. I have never read Harry... Well, I've read the first one. You- you've only watched the movies? I've only watched the movies, and I had my friend who was obsessed with Harry Potter growing up. She filled in all the gaps for me. Oh, God. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I- I've read the first one now. I read it a few years ago, and then I'm reading the second one. And then I read the fifth one for some reason. Oh, yeah. Didn't I lend you the second one? No, not oh. me. I have it on well, audiobook. I give it to somebody. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, Harry Potter? <laughs> question mark. <laughs> Harry Potter, Twilight. Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess we should take a break. Let's take a break. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I literally told Emily, I was like, when I say let's take a break, just agree. I forgot. And she's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> yes, let's. We're back. 
you. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do in the pod. That is just I just say we're back, and I just wait and see what the other person does. Because I always tell people, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna ask you these three questions, but I never tell people about how I come back in. So I'm always just like, we're back, and they're like, um, yes. <laughs> And we are back discussing the 2020 680-page brick, Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. So big. I I read this book for a few reasons. The first being that, like we said, I really liked Twilight growing Mm -hmm. up, and I was feeling nostalgic, and I am a resident... I'm no longer a resident. <laughs> I am. My hometown is from, you know, the Pacific Northwest. So I feel like an aesthetic kinship with the Twilight Saga, which takes place in Washington. So I was kind of like, okay, yeah, like, I'd like to read this. It'll be like fun garbage lit. And it took me about three weeks to plod through. Yep. And usually I can read like a book this long in like a week and a half or two weeks. Yeah, it's like I'm a slow reader and I can usually like finish something like this pretty quickly yeah but this one took forever yeah because initially we were planning on recording this episode like in september yeah and i and i was just like that's not gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) i'm on chapter four but it's perfect because this is in my new october halloween theme so it all worked out yeah (laughs) i guess you can call twilight halloween-esque there's vampires supernatural enough Yeah, um, I guess the context for this is that Midnight Sun is a retelling of Twilight from Edward's perspective. And Stephanie Meyer has been working on this for over 10 years. Yeah, I think it's been 12 exactly. Yes, and um, the first few chapters leaked, and then she kind of gave up the project and then came back to it probably when someone was waving a paycheck in her face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the book is, you know, a basically a scene-for-scene scene retelling. It's like the Funny Games remake or, like, that remake of Psycho. It is, like, the exact same, but it's in Edward's voice. So there's, like, some additional plot <laughs> details that we get. It's wholly unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. It not, not enough was changed to justify this book. No. No, <laughs> simply no. Even even if you keep all of the events the same, you add nothing with this book. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> no need for this. Um, so that's why I think it's kind of a cynical, like paycheck accepting moment. Yeah. And I can't really even think of that many books I've read where I'm like, wow, I really need to hear this from another character's perspective. <laughs> like, I can't name one, honestly. Yeah. I think I, I think I'd like to see this story from Emmett's perspective. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking dumb jock. Yep. yep. I want to see what he thinks. <laughs> yeah. So because we're narrating from Edward's perspective, we get more interactions with his family, which turns yeah. out to be not a good thing. Oh my god. One of the worst parts of this book is how long it lingers on the really poorly written fanfic level writing of their interactions between the family. Yes. And it's not as transparent in the original book or in the movie that these characters are just tropes because we don't see them that much. Like they show up and say between five and 15 lines of dialogue tops. Yeah. Whereas here they are chattering away and none of them show any humanity outside of, like, the really 
blank character role that Meyer yep. has this out. So, yeah, I would love to read this from a jock point of view, like the most cliche. I just, I felt like, I, I say that because I feel like Emmett, out of all of the Cullens, for me personally, Emmett and Carlisle mm-hmm. have the most personality. <laughs> yeah. Especially Emmett, though. Emmett felt like a person that was real and had emotions and thoughts and feelings, mm-hmm. and all the others felt like traits. Yes. Well, uh, Emmett is the brother. Like the the he's uh, incorporated into the Cullen family as like the brother, not like by bio biology or whatever, <laughs> but because he was you know taken in. And Carlisle is the father who has made all of these people vampires. And yeah, like the men of the family get a lot more yeah. realism. I don't, I don't know. The women are really really thinly drawn. That drove me crazy because the worst thing I think that this book did was just Mm -hmm. how little it gave. And it did this with the human characters, but it especially did this with Rosalie. And that made me so angry. Yes, and Rosalie is the other vampire sister in the family. and. Um, it's like revealed like what like an eclipse or breaking dawn it's quite late in the series that stephanie meyer finally decides to give her a backstory beyond like cunty bitch (laughs) and in this book instead of like drawing on the fact that edward and this girl have known each other for decades and have been living together as a family like it just demotes her back to the same role that she was in the original book and that makes me so mad because she had, in my opinion, her and Jasper had the most compelling backstories. Like, the most, I want to know more. Yeah. What were you like before backstories? And we don't get any of it here. It upset me because in Twilight, you know, Bella has a limited view of mm-hmm. the Cullens. And her perception of Rosalie is vain bitch. Right. And then in this book, we're proven that. That's true. That's because all Edward she is. also thinks that she's a vain bitch. <laughs> and there's nothing more to her. And there should be. And that was the biggest drawback, I think. Also, how dare Stephanie Meyer condemn, like, a beautiful, skinny, cunty vampire bitch for being a bitch. Like, I know. Celebrate <laughs> it. Like, if you are, like, so gorgeous and you are eternally young and eternally, like, skinny and your skin is, like, always perfect, like, why wouldn't she be a bitch? But, I mean... I this whole conversation is letting Meyer get too much credit because <laughs> there is no way she would go any deeper than that. And the only truly interesting dynamic going on in any of these books, Twilight included all of them, is the psychosexual relationship between Edward and, and Bella because it draws on so many of those like bizarre Mormon themes that yeah. it like is more like honest. But when she tries to get into any other kind of writing, it's so yeah. rough. Yeah. And I I can see that she tried to give the Cullens mm-hmm. more to their personalities. Like she gave Rosalie working on cars. And oh, that's a that's a Oh hobby. wow. She's so mannish, <laughs> she's even so though she's so pretty. Three dimensional and, and it was just like okay. No, simply no. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the the first 200 pages of this book really worked for me because it was so much more about that bizarre Mormon element where we get, like, Edward's really horny thirst for... Oh, my God. ...for Bella. <laughs> and, like, I thought, like, the analogy of him wanting to eat her is really fascinating, but she just turns it off halfway through the book. Yeah. Like, once 
the cards are on the table and Bella realizes that Edward is a vampire. She's just like, oh, Edward can control himself now. And there's like no real moments of tension or actual like sexual stress. From that point, it all becomes external tension with like, what, Jimmy? What's his name? James. James. James and Laurent and redhead girl victoria <laughs> victoria and that becomes the only tension at that point because i i think it's like in the meadow when, when she, yeah when she's like oh you're so so sparkly and i will say that's the one thing the movie did bad was oh it doesn't look good i hate it i hate it and in the book yeah. i forgot how much more intense it was described yeah. in the book and i do appreciate that well i think the problem is that the movie had a very low budget all things considered yeah. and a lot of the effects were practical yeah which stuff. is great because yeah. like you know when we get like the vampires walking they like put them on a treadmill and filmed it in yeah. slow motion and it looks really fucking amazing so the practical stuff is great but then when like the the shining in the he just looks sweaty he just yeah. looks moist. Like, he needs a towel. Yeah, it, like, needs a little more oomph. But then in this, it's, like, it's he's described, like, he's looking like he's burst into flames. He's so mm-hmm. bright and shining and horrific. And it's, like, I don't know. I liked it more in the book. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I just, oh God, like, I was really interested in that element of, like, I want to eat this girl. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to rip her to pieces and slaughter her. And he's talking about how he will kill every single person in the classroom. That was my, some of my favorite parts were when he was, like, fantasizing about just, like, there was one in the very beginning where he fantasized about swinging Mike Newton by the ankles and slamming his head to the wall. And I was like, god damn. Like, it's so intense. The first 200 pages are honestly, like, really amazing trash lit because it has that very compelling thread of, I want to fucking eat this girl. And it's such an unusual and honest take on sexuality that I'm like, yes, I, I'm living. And for the first 200 pages, I'm like, this book is, like, really good. Like, yeah. it's really – and then it just turns all of that off. And when I was watching the movie last night, I kind of remembered how stupid, like, the tact on, oh, there's another vampire who wants to eat you. And I think it's from, like, that fanfic realm where – a lot of young girls and Stephanie Meyer and her like and <laughs> <laughs> her like locked fantasy of sex like they have like the the kidnapping and rescue dream oh yeah and you know kidnapping is a really popular trope in like young women's fan fiction and stuff yeah and so of course it succumbs to that and it's so boring it's so boring in this yeah. book it's so boring. I cannot begin to describe how boring it is. I think I think that tension leaves in the meadow when he shows her. <gasps> oh my god! I just, I just for the second time spilled alcohol all over my computer. Oh my god! Pour it over. The- no, it's okay. I only hit like anyway. What were, you were saying? Something interesting. Um, I I think <laughs> the tension leaves uh in the meadow when he shows her what he looks like in the sunlight, and from that point on, suddenly. It's not an issue. He's just able to control himself. Yeah. Also, another thing the movie does really well that I think is a failure in both Twilight and in Midnight Sun is that the reveal is done in a car. Yeah. So anticlimactic. That's how I thought that, like, I I thought that the reveal was in the meadow. Yeah, me too. Until I read it. And I was like, oh, that's right. It's in the car. She's like, you're a vampire. And he's like, yes. <laughs> And that's it. (laughs) Oh, and then he's like, I'm going to take you to the meadow and show you. And 
it's so much better from an aesthetic level when he like strips in the meadow and like reveals himself and they lay together it's so much more fascinating and like surreal in the film but in the book it's flop (laughs) flop i was just like because like the chapter's even called something like theory or something by the way the chapter names in this book are so embarrassing they're really really bad they're all like interrogation theory conclusion (laughs) well there's a reason that like all like contemporary lit has abandoned you know chapter titles is because when you give like a name to a certain segment of your plot like you show your hand too much and then you're more capable of being a victim to camp yeah yeah and i i read um i read a thomas hardy novel last year i read far from the madden crowd and that has titles in it as well and I always, like, giggled because, of course, like, <laughs> yeah, like, it made sense for when it was being published. But it's, like, Bathsheba realizes that she is the number one bitch. Oh, I, I love like, that. Oh, <laughs> great. I, Howl's Moving Castle does that where every chapter start, title starts with, like, in which Sophie blah, blah, blah. Like, in which Sophie finds a mandrake root or in which Sophie catches a star. And I wish that Midnight Sun had done that because that's so charming. <laughs> yeah, but instead it's, like, theory they're all just one word they're theory carlisle home like god family so boring i want to eat my girlfriend like rom oh god <laughs> oh invitations i i highlighted a bunch from invitations what i like i read this book two months ago now and the actual content of it has vanished and vacated from my brain. It's because it's so many words. He has so many words, and none of them go anywhere. Yeah, well, this is the thing that's really stupid about this book is that, like, for the first 200 pages, when he keeps repeating himself about how much oh he wants to God. eat Bella, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, that's yeah. inter- at least it's interesting. But then, like we said, when that notion is turned off just by no whim but the author said so, then... When he's just repeating, he's like, I want to eat her, but I can't. Yeah. It, oh, my it's God. It's so boring. It's so cyclical. And every time it got to a point where every time he'd start to be like, her scent makes my throat burn, my eyes would just glaze over. She, she uses a lot of the same language she many times over. references that line in between Bella's eyes whenever she's thinking, like, Every other line, it's 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 so annoying. It's just like, oh, that line between her eyebrows was back, and I'm like, God, I did, what? <laughs> it's like, good job, Stephanie. You yeah. came up with one thing to describe a character by. Great job, Steph. It's either that or when Bella smiles, she gets a dimple on her chin. Those are the two facial things that Edward notices every chapter. And that reminds me, like Bella comes off as the most boring, uninteresting, flat character in this book. And, like, I am concerned. (laughs) I'm concerned for her well-being. Does she need a doctor? Does she have a severe inner ear infection or a traumatic brain injury? She's stumbling all the time. The word stumbling is also used quite a bit. Okay, now let me say something really hot take that you can be completely disassociated from. I'm making the announcement now that Emily is not related to my next comment. But... (laughs) Bella seems autistic in this book. I, I just, I it's something about there's there's the the ones the first scene I should say that uh-huh. made me think like oh something's wrong with Bella. <laughs> something's up. Is the scene where he's at the 
he's at the, he's at the <laughs> lunch table. It's in, like chapter five or something. And he's at the lunch table and he's watching her and he motions for her to come over. And he, and he's like, <laughs> she stumbled two times on her way across the cafeteria. And I'm like, is she okay? Like, what's wrong with yeah, her? Yeah, and I mean, like, this is like a common criticism of like the original book is that oh how is she so clumsy i never noticed it when she was talking right? about it but when edward points it out it's like oh it's ceaseless yeah i mean i honestly think it's because you know there's that desire for like the desired female image to be imperfect and clumsy and like you know not not but jessica a bit much <laughs> it's it's a little over the edge oh my god it's just non-stop she gets out of his car and stumbles her way toward the door she stumbles across the room she yeah. stumbles out of bed i'm like someone should take her to the doctor like that's there's She's clumsy concussed. and then there's that you know she comes across in this book as being like a horse girl with like <laughs> really misfitting clothes and like uh, like she's not um, wearing glasses in this book, but you could really like see her. Maybe that's it. Maybe she needs glasses. I mean, it seems like she's wearing like square glasses <laughs> and like with like unbrushed like one of uncut... those big sweaters. Yeah. Oh no, she really gave me horse girl energy in the worst way through this whole book. I it yeah, it's so tragic how like Bella this really multifaceted. Com- complicated character just gets denoted to like not even like a bumbling bimbo but like a bumbling autistic it's horse just, girl it's it was oh my it's so much and and i know like this sounds like we're playing it up but it's really that no, it, much it's that much it's like every time she walks <laughs> the word stumble is used what like and the book is 700 pages long, and Stephanie Meyer makes sure to include this note on, like, every other page. That and the eyebrow line. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, just describe anything else. I would like to take a moment to read some passages that we have um, highlighted from the text. I'm looking through them now. So I will go first. <laughs> okay. And then we can discuss the the um, content. Yeah, some of them do require, like, All this of is them. why I highlighted yeah. this. Okay, I'm going to read this, so listen up, girls. My family arrived <gasps> then. <gasps> That's my first one I highlighted! <laughs> it's so good. Okay, I'm going to go again. <laughs> it's so bad. Okay, my family arrived then, confused that I was for a change, rocking with laughter rather than scowling murderously at everyone in sight. <laughs> that, I didn't, that was my first highlight. I didn't start highlighting till that because up until that point I was like, There well, was no need. I wasn't that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that line hit me like a truck. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. It sounded like, have you ever read My Immortal? The no, Harry no, it Potter did, which is fiction? like, yeah, like My Immortal is like that really overstated theatricality. Scowling murderously at everything in sight. Like, Edward, come on. Yeah, like the whole thing about that is that I had kind of forgotten that, like, their relationship is really reliant on, like, emo looks. Yeah. And, you know, I had forgotten that all of their relationship is kind of, like, my chemical romance adjacent. And then I read that and was like, oh, no. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, man. It was such a, like, such a good line. Yeah. Such a good sentence. And I mean, up until that point, we had been just getting the, like, I'm going to kill her, like, yeah. amazing content. And then out of nowhere, it just hits you like a truck. <laughs> it was so good. And 
So I, I want to take this time to say that okay. I noticed mechanically a big <laughs> difference between the first 12 chapters and the last part of the book. Well, I think that the first portion of the book was written earlier. Yep. And I, I think that, like, the first 12 chapters were what were leaked online, like, 10 years ago. Yeah, and all of that content was much more interesting. And then this seems very different. But, like, mechanically, the first 12 chapters... Are edited. <laughs> are they? <laughs> I'm just like, they they feel more like... Like, I don't think the, the last bit is necessarily good, but I think it's very different. I, I feel like the writing has evolved. Wh- but the first 12 what? chapters feel like they were the original draft oh, that see, were never looked okay, at. Okay, but see, that's what I liked it more is because it has that weird carnal impulse, like much more raw. And then in the whole back half, it's so not present. Yeah, I think the first 12 chapters felt more like Twilight from Twilight's era. And right. the last, after chapter 12, it felt like a new Stephanie Meyer was writing. Okay, okay. If that makes sense. I mean, I don't think that, like, we have a psyop going on where, like, she's been, like, replaced, like, by a clone, I, I, I like, Avril Lavigne, but... I, I hate to say it, but I think her writing evolved. I think it worse. I, I, th- I think it changed over... It, it's very different, because the other thing I noticed was before Chapter 12, you get no Edward backstory. It's oh, all no. just, I don't remember, I don't remember. And then suddenly, after Chapter 12, suddenly he's remembering, like, he remembers that Christmas, or he remembers leaving Carlisle and Esme. Mm-hmm. He re- has all these memories, and... That were honestly, in my opinion, way more interesting well, that's, than I think the that's plot. What's really at shocking about this book is that, like, we're in his head, and he has like a history of decades of murder and like vigilantism. Yeah. And how much do we get of that? Not a lot. Zero. Like there's zero. There's some after chapter twelve, but even that is so limited. It's so scant. I I really liked the memory about the Christmas where where it's his first year as a vampire and. And Carlisle sets up the Christmas. That was so nice. And yeah. I wanted to stay there. And I wanted to see more of that. And then he's like, Stephanie anyway, Myers back to no. Bella. Yeah. It was like, oh, God, show me the interesting thing. All right. Give me your next uh, reading okay. from the text, please. Um, this one is a two-parter. Ooh, and there's okay. some ex- explanation involved. Um, so I only highlighted a bit. But for context, it's where he's talking about meteorites. and. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The possibility of, of, you know, a hypothetical meteorite falling to Earth and killing her in a freak accident because she's a magnet for unluck. And at first I highlighted, the only way I could be positive she was safe was if there was someone in place to catch the meteorite before it could touch her. And I read that and I was like, that's kind of a cute little metaphor. And it was immediately followed by... Obviously, the meteorite was just a metaphor for all of the unlikely things that could go wrong. Oh, and I was just like, Stephanie, I know, I know, honey. Like, <laughs> I know. you don't have to Sweetheart. spell it. I'm not stupid. Like, le- it was cute until you added that sentence explaining it. Annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a big problem of the text is that like Stephanie Meyer is not a seasoned writer, yeah. nor is she clearly a seasoned reader. Yeah, she she just assumes her readers aren't gonna get it unless yeah, she spells it out. So then she frequently in this book will like call out like specific literary devices. Like she's gonna bring up the art of the metaphor and then use it in the most like basic cringe fashion. Um, I guess I'll take the next quote. You, yeah. I think you might have more than I do, but I'll read this next one because this know. is my. This is the only other one that I I kept in my Kindle, <laughs> that I pirated. I pirated this book and then read it off my Kindle. So. I paid for it. 
Oh, you paid <laughs> Stephanie. I paid her. Okay. Um, she says, hi, she whispered. The happiness I felt in that moment was, again, without precedent. Hello, I said. And then, because of my mood suddenly so light, I couldn't resist teasing her. I added, how was Jim? Her smile wavered. Fine. Like, um, I'm okay with, like, elevating these, you know, normal conversations, but I don't need this chatter, uh, and I definitely do not need the commentary between it. Yeah. How was Jim? Great. Hey, Emily, how was Jim? It was pretty good, you know? Yeah. See, this is, (laughs) and this does not need to be included in a fucking book. Yeah. It's, um, I will say, though, like... One memory I have of the Twilight book was that she didn't use said a lot. She used muttered. Yeah, um, it's I a it's a very I th- first year creative writing mistake. I think she did better. She used said a little more. Yeah. I will give her that. I think her editor stepped in there. It yeah. honestly feels like a really low paid editor was, yeah. was hacking at this yeah. because I think better editors would have trimmed this down by like 180 pages. You know, this should be like a... 500 page book for fuck's sake yeah it does not need to be this long there's so much repetition in what he's he's like i love her but i can't be with her but i love her but i'm gonna kill her but i love her but i don't want to kill her but i and it's like just i i get it oh move on and i mean i i i really don't have like that much like serious expectation for stephanie meyer to succeed here but she still managed to astound me with failure, like <laughs> every other page. All um, right, what's the next quote? Well, one of them, I don't know why I highlighted we'll it. Just read it. it I, I highlighted, did she hear how my voice wrapped around her name like a caress? Ew. Don't, don't know. I, th- I think that was one of the ones that made me just go, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> bleh. Um, But from the same chapter, I have... Did she truly want to be with alone with me, even now, after witnessing my literal homicidal rage? And I'm just like, Edward, it's not that serious. It's calm, Oh, man. my God. Like, but calm down. See, I wish that a man, like, I wish that because, like, some, like, ripped, like, killer, <laughs> like, would do that with me. So I get the impulse there. <laughs> yeah. No point for Stephanie, but point for Stephanie. Ugh. So um, this next one is actually, it's kind of a long one. But it's one that has been floating around um, uh, Tumblr for years. Oh, because it was in the original. It was in the original. And I, it, it, it floated around Tumblr without any context. Yeah. I assumed it was from Midnight Sun, but only now was it confirmed. Um, suddenly, as she ate, a strange comparison entered my head. For just a second, I saw Persephone, pomegranate in hand, dooming herself to the underworld. Is that who I was? Hades himself, coveting springtime, stealing it, condemning it to endless night? I tried unsuccessfully to shake the impression. She's eating, like, mushroom ravioli. It's not oh, that it's serious. it's the ravioli scene. It's the ravioli okay, scene. Okay, so it's after she almost got raped. Yeah. Another fanfic fantasy. Yeah. And then they're eating ravioli, and... And he's just like, I'm Hades, and she's Persephone. Like, f- shut up, Edward. This God. Is, this is the same thing that she did with the original, which is, like, she picks one image. Like, mm-hmm. she picks one cultural image to make it seem more literary than it is. And in the original, it was, like, Wuthering Heights, and it was yeah. um, 
The Lion and the Lamb. Oh, I highlighted that one, but that one has a story behind it. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, oh, Stephanie so Meyer. Bad. All right, let's hear the next one. Do you have any more? No, I. I, I okay, the other thing is that I only like read two quotes out, but mm-hmm. um. The reason is not that this book is, like, good for the rest of it. It's just that it's so oppressively bad that you cannot highlight all of the instances. I got to that point, too, where, like, I stopped highlighting on chapter 20. There's, like, 15 more chapters after that. Give me the next quote, and I'll read it, even though it's your highlight. Um, it's very short. Got it. Oh, it's this one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just read it. Okay. No. Her lips pouted out stubbornly. (laughs) I highlighted that because I couldn't picture it in my head. What does that look like? Uh, it literally is giving me, like, fish. I like, was thinking, like, duck face. <laughs> Her lips, both of them, two lips, pouted out stubbornly. No. No. <laughs> it just looks so dumb in my head. Let me read it again. No. Her lips pouted out stubbornly. Oh, my God. No. You've got it. Oh. The audio peeking out as I'm screaming, <laughs> no, she pouted out suddenly. Oh, for fuck's sake. This one okay. is from chapter <laughs> 10, okay. Theory. Oh, Theory. And this one, I'm going to give a little context for it. By but all means. This one just made me say, you. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep well, I whispered and leaned away before the urgency in my body. Either the familiar thirst or the very new and strange hunger I suddenly felt. (laughs) He's horny for Bella. Oh, my God. And he words it in, like, the most awkward, gross way possible. Just, like, some of the bizarre (laughs) ways that Stephanie Meyer is just like, let me describe horniness. Like, (laughs) just, like, stop. Oh, my God. I'm I'm sad there's no, like, erection moments here. I know. that all like every time he he mentioned his other hunger, that was what it's I just pictured. that his dick is yeah. Tough, I was like, like oh no, because <laughs> like I don't know. I think there's like a literary element tapped there to be like yeah. the fear of your boyfriend's yeah. boner. Like yeah. that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Like what is he gonna do with that? <laughs> oh, it's so foreign. Uh, for me, the my fear was my fear of my girlfriend's breasts. Mm, that's. Yeah, when I was in eighth grade, she she was like two years older than me, and she would scoop up my hands and then place them on her breasts. I was like, "You were just a baby." I was an eighth grader, and I was like, "Um, I want nothing to do with this for a variety of reasons." So, like, my fear of the male like erect penis was just like the fear of like soft titties. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a. I'm so glad I'm putting that on the podcast. You know, it's better to get it out there. Everyone, I need you to hear about my breast trauma. <laughs> All right, do you have another quote to I read? Have so many. All right, more. let's go. Wait, I want to read the next one. Okay. Okay. See if you see if you can guess why I highlighted this one. Okay. It was no accident we were most often seen in the woods. <laughs> Oh my god, sorry, it's too absurd. It was no accident we were most often seen in the Volvo. A car celebrated above all for its safety. It's very, very strange. You can tell Stephanie Meyer has owned a Volvo. I read that and I was like, is Volvo paying her to write this? The Volvo, a car celebrated above all for its safety. Like, 
did she get money for that line? To be honest, like I do have like an aesthetic attachment to a Volvo because like one of my friends like had like the the backward facing seats in the trunk that are like legal oh, to ride yeah. in. I thought that was cool, but like definitely <laughs> Stephanie Meyer feels like some kind of way towards the Volvo, the Vol- oh not the God. Volva, <laughs> not to be mistaken. Okay, you read uh, the next one. Let's see where is it. Uh oh, this one grossed me out. Ooh, fun. I chewed swiftly and swallowed, trying to keep the grimace off my face. The gob of food moved slowly and uncomfortably down my throat. I sighed as I thought of how I would have to choke it up back up later. Disgusting. I didn't like this one for a few reasons. Because A, it takes away the mystery of like, oh, they eat food. Like, what do they do with it after? They yeah. can't shit. So I, now we have to picture yeah. Edward Cullen vomiting it's up just like everything. Just in the bathroom, wretching. <laughs> and it's really funny because we see them eat a lot, like yeah. in the movie yeah. as well. Like they're always like, cutting them to like like sh- like picking food into the mouth. I'm like, oh well, that's gotta come back yeah. up. I just I didn't like that. Th- it it felt on par with me. Uh, for me with uh, J.K. Rowling giving like a lot of unnecessary how it works info about the Wizarding World. Oh, like oh, we just. Like zapped our shit away. We zapped our shit away, and you know Dobby's (laughs) circumcised or whatever. Like I don't need to know that. Like if you're gonna go for it, just like go all the way. Like I want you to spend a chapter talking about him, like throwing it up. Also, when was the last time you chewed swiftly? (laughs) (laughs) You're right. That's dumb. It's like what? See, when I don't like, cause he he. He says it's akin to chewing dirt, you know? And when I don't like something, I tend to chew it a long time. Yeah, it's like you got to convince wanna, yourself to swallow, swallow it. Yeah. yeah, it's like when um they give us that like miso tofu Ugh. at lunch and it's like just tofu in a in- plastic container. And then there's like at the bottom of a bowl, just like a little pit of miso. And you have no choice <laughs> but to dump the block of miso in like mix it up with your chopsticks and then just gulp it down. And you got to eat so it. You're just gross. like. I can eat basically all Japanese food, but, like, the miso tofu, I cannot abide. Yeah. Yeah. I can do tofu, but that tofu. Miso tofu. I, it's Yeah. No, I, I love tofu, but, like, the miso tofu, mm-hmm. it's just – I think the last time I chewed swiftly was when I was eating the karage at lunch today. And I was like, <laughs> I really want to finish this quickly so I can go read my book in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> so I chewed swiftly. You pulled an Edward Cullen. Yeah. <sighs> Why did I highlight this one? I don't know. That one, who knows? Skip. <laughs> Skip. Um. Oh, okay. This was one I highlighted because I liked, I thought it was cute. Okay. I don't remember if this was in Twilight. So now let's see if I get to make fun of you. Probably. In the next second, I was abruptly and thoroughly irritated because Angela's story didn't have to be tragic. She was human, and he was human, and the difference that seemed so insurmountable in her head was truly ridiculous compared to my own situation. So, first of all, I thought that that was stupid. Like, they're miserable, but what about my misery? Yeah. But at the same time, I liked, I, I don't remember if it was in Twilight, but I liked um, how he goes behind Angela's back to set her up with, with um, what's-his-face Yeah, Mike McGee. Newton. Yeah. or what, Wait, sorry, whoever. I don't fucking know these cardboard secondary characters' names. Ben? Oh. I think it's Ben? <laughs> I thought that was well, cute. That was like go. a cute little additional moment that I was like, see, this adds something new to the story. Well, I think that like, you know, it at least has, you know, some flavor for the yeah. young girls reading this. It's cute for them. That being said, I hated this whole 
she can't be miserable. It's nothing like my misery. Like, fuck off, Ed. Jeez. Fuck off, Ed. I'm, <laughs> that, that's going to be your quote on my website. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, this one is... it. This one pretty much highlights all the problems I have with Rosalie. Okay, let me in read this, that. In this book. Before I headed out to face the beautiful ogre under the... <laughs> The beautiful ogre under the bridge. So mean about her. Like, oh my god! Imagine like you've been living with someone for like seven decades, and like you're referring to them as a beautiful ogre. Anybody? It's just it was so mean. Edward is a bully. He is such a dickhole in this book. Uh huh. And like in you know in Twilight, he's the mysterious cool guy, and who knows what he's thinking. Turns out what he's thinking is just mean shit about everyone. Yeah. So. I guess our general takeaway from Midnight Sun is that this book is a failure. It is, um, like, sexually interesting for 200 pages and then just devolves into absolute nothing and poor writing. I'm angry. I wasted three weeks reading it. Um, I mean, I appreciated the nostalgia. Uh, I, I guess yeah. – if I could go back in time and choose to read this or not, I would read it. I would choose to read it, but I will never read it again. Yeah. I will also not read any of her other books again because I'm very afraid that they will read as poorly as this did. Yeah. I have been saying it like this. I was Team Edward when I read Twilight. Yeah. I'm still Team Edward after reading Midnight Sun, but much less enthusiastically. Yeah. I mean... I'm neither here nor there. I think gays tend to gravitate towards Jacob more because his brand of attention giving is a little more like feeding the bottoms, you know, like (laughs) I think that Jacob would be a better top. And also he's like more immediately aesthetically appealing in the movies and stuff. But I, um, I'll pass on both of them. Yeah. I'm going to go for Charlie Swan. Yeah. The dad. He's hot. In the movie with his mustache, I'm like, mmm. <laughs> he was, like, probably only six years older than, like, Kristen Stewart oh, yeah. was there. But, like, I was like, mmm. Look at you and that mustache and your police little uniform. I was like, oh. <laughs> you little home wrecker. I don't know why I said that. It was, I think, the inverse that happened to him, right? Why did, why did they divorce? I don't. Were they ever married? I don't know. I don't know. They're they're done now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, All oh. I know is Renee was a bad mom, and I'm tra- flitting around the country yeah, with my like, baseball oh, father. Oh. Be- Bella has to be the adult in the house because I want to have fun. Like what? She's twelve. <laughs> Let her be a kid. Oh my god. Yeah, not a fan of Renee. <laughs> well, another take for you. <laughs> um, I guess some like general announcements for the podcast is that the. November issue for the zine will be announced this week. I don't think I'm going to be ready to put it up on Etsy by the time this is out, but like maybe check out like Friday. Let's put a soft date on Friday <laughs> to be able to order it. Um, the theme is going to be suffering. I took a bunch of pictures with my friend Kanan in the bathtub. Oh. Yeah. And um, the outtakes will never be seen by human eyes, <laughs> but the pictures that are being put in the zine are really good. And um, I think I'm going to be looking at like Mishima and Caravaggio and maybe some Evangelion and like doing some lit analysis of that. So yeah, check that out. Should be out on Friday. Do you have anything to plug, Emily? 
Um, Stream Arashi. Yeah, I don't know. Check out my YouTube. Don't don't check. Out my no, YouTube. um, you're thinking about doing a YouTube channel, aren't you? I, I'm thinking about restarting my YouTube channel. Okay, well, if you do, I will include a link like postpartum in the thank you in the description. So <laughs> don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe below or whatever. No, honestly, like. I have never said that on the podcast, but I really should because I would like <laughs> some more people to rate it on iTunes. So if you listen to this on iTunes, give me five stars and, like, call me a slur or something. I don't know. Yeah, it, the, the more you rate it, the more it can reach farther reaching audiences. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know who needs to be listening to this podcast <laughs> at this point. I'm just like, yeah, I'm doing it. Listen to it if you want. <laughs> it's going pretty good, I guess. So, yeah, um, that's all. じゃあまたね。<音楽>